Uh, hello, listeners. It's it's Adam starting the show off as normal, but I thought I'd I'd say a little something today, uh, because I feel like I've not only let uh, you know Daniel and Alex down, but the listeners as well. Uh, last our last episode, which was Bizarre Adventures: Revenge of the Sith, right? Um, Alex started the show off talking about everything to do with George Floyd and that. And uh, I'll admit, and I'm ashamed to admit it, that I was even hesitant to talk about it on the show in the first place. And I didn't say anything at all on the show. I think I just kind of did the whole thing of we're a sports podcast, we're here to distract from the world. And, um, you know, that's that's not right. So first of all, I need to apologize to the listeners, um, you know, to the people. I mean, I, the, they say that silence is just as bad as support. Um and I apologize for that. So that's to you, too, because you are my co-host. All our names are on this. And, of course, you know, to everyone who is peacefully protesting and all that, um, anyone who is out there trying to do the greater good. Um, excuse me, I have some notes here, so I'm not going to be looking amazingly at the camera for those of you checking out the YouTube channel. But, um, you know what, I was a bit too scared to say anything. And the problem is I have nothing to be scared of. Um, I've never had a police officer look at me sideways. I've never been stopped at an airport for no random reason to be searched. The only interaction I've ever had with a police officer was when in my old high school, Mainfield Secondary School, there was a Walmart across the street. And one time, me and my friend Kyle, another white male, were walking back to class, and a cop stops us just for the heck of it and gives us this coupon for a free hot chocolate at the convenience store. That's the only interaction I've ever had, right? So I had no excuse not wanting to say anything. Um, and instead of feeling sorry for myself, I should be advocating for change. Um, and this isn't me kind of pumping the show's tires, but this is easily, I think, the three of ours biggest platforms. Um, to date the show in its first kind of almost year coming up, actually, we've gotten a thousand plays, which, you know, it isn't a massive platform, but again, you know, it's still something and it's it's the best platform we have uh, really to show for change. So first of all, again, and I'm sorry to repeat myself, I do have to apologize for that. Um, and the fact is that racism is far and away, I, I can't put into words just how much of an issue it really is. And again, sorry, I just, I'm trying to keep it all here. Um, you guys know me, I'm not the most well-spoken person. Uh, even on the show, sometimes I will very often follow by my own words here, so I just want to have this here. Um, the fact that officers of the law and, you know, highly influential political actors seem to treat some people's lives without any sort of aspect of care or a little bit of sympathy is sickening. Um... I was watching a video on Instagram or Twitter, and it was a woman talking to a crowd of white people, and they, they were asked, stand up if you would swap your lives with that of a black person. Or you could really put in any sort of um, visible minority. And no one was going to stand up. No one did. Um, and the person made the point of, if you're okay with living your life the way it is, why should you, you know stand by why other people aren't treated the same as you know you and I. It doesn't matter what color your skin is. Uh, we're all people at heart. Um, it sucks that it has taken the loss of lives for a lot of people to stand up and really start stating stuff. 
And I mean, I'm not saying there are, there are people who have always, sorry, I'm saying there are not people who have always fought for change. I saw a lot of people giving Emma Watson crap on Twitter, even though she has someone who has always stood up for against racism and that. So that was a bit much for certain people. Um, and we as people need to come through and change the more for a better together. Um, I'm not 100% on how to do that, but all I know is it starts with everyone doing their part. Um, and instead on focusing on the whole thing of attacking looters and that, we need to promote the people who are peacefully protesting. The ones that themselves who are saying, these people who are looting do not represent all of our values. That's a big problem. And again, I mentioned political actors earlier. I'm sure you guys saw on Instagram, I gave Donald Trump a lot of crap because the whole of his staff sort of disrupted a peaceful process, pro protest sorry, in Washington earlier in the week with tear gas, rubber bullets, everything. Just so Donald Trump could go have a photo op in front of a church. By the way, he didn't even ask the church for their permission. They didn't know anything. So that's something that very much sort of hits you in the bone. And it sucks again that I had to see all that to finally say something. Um, a final little note on showing support. You know what? Even if it's something like as simple as a tweet or an Instagram post, it shows that you care and you're here to support if you do the littlest thing. And the more support there is, it's really the better. Um, and again, if all of us try to come together and try and you know, show support. Maybe there will be change. I'm confident that there will be. I'm sure you guys are too. Um, and that's that's everything to me to start. Um, we'll take a short break and then we'll come back with Bizarre Adventures this week where we're talking about uh, The Godfather. Uh, thank you and I apologize again, everyone. Bizarre Adventures, guys, we are back. We're Mamma back. mia. It's Italian day. You come to me on, on the day <laughs> of my daughter's wedding, and you want to do a podcast. We are doing podcasts. Mm -hmm. For a favor, but how often do you invite me over for coffee? Well, call me your godfather. I can't believe he's you memorized that line. Like, you've I, never seen this movie, and that's... <laughs> that's... Oh, it's impressive. A movie needs to have an excellent opening scene to get you in, and I thought that was... Because for a second, I thought that that funeral guy was the boss, and then oh. it turns around to see Vito, and you're like, oh, oh, oh dear. The but, goat. The goat, Marlon Brando. Yes. Mar yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know what's really funny? I was looking at... When I looked at the cast, I saw Al Pacino, and I thought, oh, that must be... Oh, no, that's Michael? Yeah. What? That was his second uh, ever movie. Yeah, he was so young I then. What a banger. Anyway, guys, we're here to talk about it's Bizarre Adventures this week. Um, a little later on, I think we're also going to give you guys a little shout about what we're doing for the rest of June for the podcast. Now that we're in it, guys, and the show will be having its one-year anniversary pretty soon, which is terrifying. Um, and it's really nice that we have Daniel, um, you know, really here and, you know, around for that one-year anniversary since you were supposed to be part of it. Um, but I'll hand this over to you, Alex, because this uh, episode of Bizarre Adventures is, of course, yours this week. And we're talking about... The Godfather. Yes. The Godfather. In my opinion, this is my favorite movie. It's, I think, the best movie 
best movie ever. I know Adam probably would has other options. It's just mine, okay? It's so, my opinion. I can have my own opinion. Yeah. So my favorite movie is Jurassic Park. We talked yeah. about it. Yours is is The Godfather. So Daniel, because it's on the docket for your bizarre adventures, is the Lego movie your favorite movie of all time? <laughs> I thought that was an all-encompassing one that that all of us would enjoy. I yes. More Lego, by the way. You bought. I did it for the team. Wait, wait. You ordered more. I went to go see the Lego Movie in theaters, and I have a great story about that. I've never seen it. Oh, Adam. Yeah. Adam buys like new Lego every week. Come on. I took a few weeks break, but sorry, I'm distracting Alex. Take it away with this uh, a classic movie. Classic movie. So it's. Made 1972. Uh, it's a, a period piece. Takes place in 19 in the 1940s. The good old days. The good old days. I mean, there are some. When we were university, yes. When, <laughs> when Daniel was still in law school. <laughs> <laughs> there are some questionable things in that movie. Yeah. Oh man! With everything going on, when they yeah. are at the uh, the I can't the Hollywood director guy, and yeah. you see all his staff, I was like, oh. This is a very aged movie. Yeah, yeah yes. It was, oh, I mean, it was 1970. It's not right. It was just, it's made in 1970. I mean. Yeah, like you say, set in the 40s. You realize, yeah, 40s. this is. Uh, directed by Francis Ford Coppola. And it has, uh, I, I absolutely, absolutely love this cast. Marlon Brando as Vito. Al Pacino, like the original, the OG Al Pacino, uh, as Michael Corleone, James Caan as Sonny, um, Robert Duvall as Tom Hagen, Diane Keaton as Kate Adams. I feel like I'm definitely missing someone. Uh, John Cazale. John Cazale. As, as Fredo. Yes, yes. Um, I, and I feel like I'm missing someone big, and it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to piss me off. Clement, who plays Clemenza? He's pretty famous. He was in a show with um, he was like a. Hold on. It was who? Uh, he was played by. Hold on. Oh, Talia Shear. Oh yes. Who played uh Connie? Yeah. Also in Rocky. Yeah, Adrian. Adrian. Dude, Adrian, we should watch. We should definitely uh, Richard, watch Rocky. Uh, Richard Castellano. He oh, was so pretty talented. famous in like the '60s. He was in the TV show. Wait, was was that Clemenza? Yes. Here's what I want to know: yeah. Who played the roadside worker who distracted Sonny when he got killed? Oh, the roadside worker, the cop, <laughs> the cop. Was he a cop in the phone in the booth? Yeah, who like dropped this coin or whatever? And I don't know. Like a- <laughs> I don't know. Such a specific. Why does he? I know. Look, I just like I don't even know. Does he look like familiar? <laughs> no, I just thought you know bringing up all these favorite teams like you'd be like, okay, what was it? What was a meaningless character to bring up? <laughs> yeah. Who played the dead horse head in, in the director's... You know, uh, the, you know, you bring up the horse head. So number one, who the hell pays six hundred thousand dollars for a horse? Oh man. You know, as as somebody who spent a lot of his youth around horses, and my mother's just gotten a new horse, and so I've been around around barns. Uh, the money in that, like that Secretariat, so- the movie in that, and like the Triple Crown stuff, horses, man, those are expensive. Like, That's a they, lot I, of money. 
But think oh, about in the forties, in the forties. Yeah, I know. What six hundred, like six hundred thousand dollars? And he's like, Search. even the czar wouldn't pay, wouldn't pay that much. Why did Bobby Orr start playing? Because he was the first player to get a million dollar contract, wasn't he? Uh, I'm not sure about that. I, I think, it, no, it wasn't then. He was in the forties. But just as a comparison, like it took. Yeah. It took Till Bobby Orr's time in the NHL to get that much money. So, and again, 600k horse. So that was right. actually a real horse head. Really? Yeah. Huh. What? <laughs> yeah. They Why? got it. I don't know. <laughs> Man, that was, so it was that movie was originally supposed to be about $2 million, like a $2 million budget. Right, because Paramount, my understanding was Paramount Pictures wasn't doing so well in 1972, and they were looking for something low budget. They got the rights to the to the to the screenplay for The Godfather, and which was is a book, which is based off a book, which is a very good book. It's so much more detailed than the movie. Like I think the second movie, um, the what they originally put together was six hours long. Mm-hmm. And they cut it down to three hours. It's a very detailed book, and there's so many. Like I think we were talking last night, Adam, and you were saying, "What happened this here? What happened here? And what happened here?" I'm like, "Man, if you just read the book, all those questions will, should be answered for you." Which is my biggest problem with this movie. But we'll get to that. I know, I know, I know. Um, so I brought her up before, um, Tally Shear. Is actually Fran is the director's sister. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, yeah. and sorry, that was that was Connie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, hey, I, I no, I'm not gonna say anything. I mean, it it was Connie's wedding at the beginning, right? Yes. Okay. All right. Yeah, which yeah. I I found was the funniest scene in the entire movie. I don't know, maybe because it was relatable. Because, like, that's very realistic to how Italian functions happen. Like, every Italian function happens like that. That's, I feel like every Italian's watched The Godfather and they think that they are. Like, I went to school with a guy named Anthony Petrella. Yeah. And he was I'll like. Angela? No, no, sorry. Like, okay. let, me, let me finish because I'm going to be careful here. Um, no, no. So, like, you know how, like, every, like, my friend Anthony, you know, yeah. really you know, Italian dude. And like every time he'd get louder, he'd move his hands. Like it's a, he's like, it's because I'm Italian. I'm like, yeah. well, dude, you just. And it's like watching The Godfather. I'm like, this is everything my Italian friends say. And Why like, do you yeah. think I move my hands so much when I talk? Everyone does that though. No, but like an, like a, a mind thing or something. Mm-hmm. Like that is just. I like, know, but you- I if you notice I, me, I don't do it. I try not to do as much, but I'll through like during the podcast, I will throw my hands around. Well, con- considering how often me and you get into arguments, sometimes I'll just like look away and be like, "Oh, look at Alex." Episode seven is good, damn it. Uh, wait, what? Who's good? Star Wars Episode Seven. Oh, tell me about what again. About- I'm no, not hashing this out with you. We're I'm doing a different movie. Star Adventures Episode Seven. We're gonna have it out. I- okay. I- all right, sorry. I never said it was a bad movie. I said it was an okay movie. I said I didn't like it. That was my thing. I said I did not like it. It was an okay movie, but I think there's issues with it that I don't like. That's, okay. Yeah, that's my opinion. I, see, I never said it was a bad movie. Before, I'm, I'm going to listen back to that. I Before, might have said it was a bad movie, to be honest, but whatever. Oh, 
Because you did. Anyway, before Daniel rage quits the call because he's sick of us. I know. <laughs> no, like, I thought we were talking about the Godfather. I know. He always wants to move it to Star Wars, this one. <laughs> Don't even tell me I'm wrong. Don't even tell me I'm wrong. Wait, there's a veto thing in here. <clears throat> We've all lost limbs in the world of Star No, I don't, that's, that, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, lost it. See? See? We're, okay. So the budget thing, how does that relate to the horse's head? Oh, no, it doesn't. It's just it was supposed to be a low-budget movie, and it really did not turn out to be a low- It was a very expensive movie. So, like, question that's in my mind. Yeah. How much is a horse's head? Yeah, so I think they went to a meat pro. I don't know, to be honest. Like, they went somewhere and got this head. I don't remember. I, I read it, and I'm sorry. I can't remember I can't where they got it. it. I'm going to look it up. Okay, look it up. Uh, but since you're all- you brought up Star Wars, I'll give you my fun fact. Um... So, you know the crime montage? Uh, it's about probably about halfway through the movie after uh, Michael kills the uh, Virgil Salazzo and he kills the police captain, McClucky or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that montage was actually created by George Lucas. Oh, what? Because of the... Uh, no, that, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, because he did... Um, Lucas Studios did a lot of that kind of stuff, didn't they? A lot of well, the... Oh. It, well, George Lucas and Francis Ford Coppola were friends. Oh, okay. That's why he did it. And all the the pictures in the newspaper clippings and the pictures that were in that montage were all real. Like, those were things that were taken out of newspapers. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I, I, I sometimes have uh, cool facts, okay? You always do. Don't worry. Um... So here's okay. We talked about. I think we talked about at the beginning how about Marlon Brando is the goat. I have two examples of this. So you know Luca Brasi, right? Luca Brasi, big guy. You know who I'm talking about, Adam? Yes, the guy who who ends up sleeping with the fish. Yes. Hey, I guess it. Armor with a fish in it. Yeah. Yeah. Duh. So you know, at the, the one of the first scenes in the movie is him going to see Vito, and he's very nervous. Yes. Okay, so that wasn't planned at all. Really? Yeah. So the actor who is Lenny Montana, uh, he was so nervous about acting alongside Marlon Brando that he actually ended up messing up his lines, and then, at, but at the end of it, Coppola just said you know what, we're going to use that take because it, it gave you that presence of who he was, of who uh, Vito was, like his character in the movie. Yeah. So it sets the stage of him being like one of those tough guys. Um, yeah. And, and the same goes, uh, you know when Vito's in the hospital, the baker comes, Enzo the baker? Yes. Same thing goes with that. Like he was shaking... Wow. Yeah. And Damn. yeah, so it ends up kind of all building that character of uh, Vito Corleone. One more fact and then I'm going to ask you some questions. Um do you notice any similarities between Johnny Fontaine and a certain singer? Is Frank Sinatra? Yeah. So yeah, it wasn't a joke that Sinatra is in the pocket of the mafia. Yes. Yeah. So there was a joke about that, but that's not true. <laughs> but 
uh, Frank Sinatra, uh, <laughs> he was not happy about about that because everyone just assumed that the character was based off of him. Well, I mean, it's hard to really like a guy whose most famous song isn't even his. There are three different versions of My Way and the English one's the worst one, just saying. <laughs> so it really wasn't his way. No, no. it was, no, it was, no, no, I'm, I'm not going to go off and talk about how a French guy <laughs> named Claude Francois was Yachon who, who made the song, but continue. No, 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 yeah, that, it wasn't, ba- there was a whole, te- there was a lot of tension between him and the writer of the book. Yeah, because he th- because he thought that Fontaine uh, Fontaine was based off of him, but that wasn't that. Well, that's what the the writer Mario Puzo said, but you know, I guess we'll never actually know if that's the truth or not. Um, I'm curious to know who your favorite character is. Go ahead, Daniel. Okay, so I actually have. Three, of well, one, but two honorable mentions. Okay, um, nice for me, like I think we've talked about this before, but you know, you guys know, like I, I like, I love movies. Um, Marlon Brando is my favorite actor of all time. Really? Yes. Uh, my favorite movie from him is On the Waterfront. It's actually 1954 when he won his first Oscar before The Godfather. So I really like the guy, right? And then like, you know, like you gotta love Vito. You gotta like this was kind of like his comeback in a way because like the sixties weren't good for Brando, and then they kind of took a risk on him. Fun fact: Sorry if I have this. I'll do this for a future bizarre adventure. But the way they used Brando for this movie to get it commercialized, this is what Tim Burton did with Jack Nicholson in Batman nineteen eighty nine because no one trusted Michael Keaton as Batman. Uh, more on that with the Lego set later on. <laughs> um. How's that going? Yeah, it's going okay. You know, it's a, it's, it's. You just gotta trust the process. <laughs> Second is, I don't like. You gotta love Michael right. in it. Like, like Al Pacino. Like young Al Pacino is really like. You know, he's an okay. Like I watched The Irishman a few days ago. It's okay. Um, wow, you watched two three-hour movies. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Good for you. Um. <laughs> Yeah, I just gotta love like he he's reluctant, but he has like you know he's street smart, but he's also academically smart to right. kind of be the Godfather. Like I know like Sonny takes it first because he's, he's the, the oldest, yeah. but he's like the hothead. Um, and I guess like third, who'd be my third? I I just love watching Fredo to be honest, like. <laughs> He just he tries his best. I know what happens to him in the second one and everything, yeah. and like you know, you kind of like you kind of don't like him in the second one, but yeah. um, this are one gonna, it just you love watching. It. I didn't ruin it for Adam. Sorry. Are you actually? I, I don't know if I. Are you gonna watch it? Yeah. No. Yeah. Okay. So he, <laughs> for, the listeners might. Okay, if you're listening to this and have not watched Godfather Part Two. Um, stop listening for like 10 seconds. So uh, Fredo betrays the family in the second one and uh, Michael kills him. Oh. Yeah. Okay, everyone start listening again. Okay. So yeah, sorry. Yeah, those are my final three. <laughs> like, you know, like we have the Marlon Brando, the Funko Pop here. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the Marlon Brando yeah, yeah, yeah. up here. Then I have like Pacino yeah. and John Cazale like on the equal level. The funny, th- so you bring up Marlon Brando. How, did you notice a lot of the scenes that Marlon Brando was in? They were very dark. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Do you know why that? Wa- well, there's 
rumors of why that was. Was there one like because like he couldn't like there's two where like he couldn't control his weight so he didn't want to show it and then the second one was like because his lines were like somewhere else. Yeah, so the line I he didn't memorize his lines. He had uh, yeah. few cards placed on the wall. This was Marlon Brando. This is Marlon Brando, um, and also because like. In 1972, they had to still put a lot of makeup on his face, so they didn't put as much lighting so that you wouldn't notice all the makeup. But at the same time, it was kind of strategic because it builds his character. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. Look at <laughs> smart cool. Adam looks like he wants to say something. Um. Well, yeah, I get to talk about my favorite character, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but no, it, it's funny you say about that because it's like, the bright thing of the wedding, and then you go into like the dark room when Marlo's like, or Vito is looking out. He's like, "Where is my son, Michael? Because he only shows up, you know, without my been shot on the day of his sister's wedding." Um, I had like a bunch of things on certain characters, yeah. and favorite character is a good old Tom Hagen. Mm-hmm. Just you know, he's doing the shady business, but he's not the muscle. Poor guy gets kidnapped and threatened. Um, I, I was doing a bit of research, and apparently, when they so. His, I forget what his exact title was, but he's basically like second in command. Oh, right, consigliere. Consigliere. And apparently in the book, it like kills him. Like emotionally, he's a wreck that he loses the position. I just really like his character. Yeah. You know, I like you know, he had some great hair. He was just like that, the reliable confidant character. And yeah, I'm, he's I'm the right hand. Man. He's the right hand man. Mm-hmm. But and you, I just, yeah, sorry, go. No, I just really like the part of like you can tell how it's it's hard for him to go tell Vito about Sonny. Yeah, and it's just like yeah, he just really adds the family dynamic, even he, though he's. Yeah, I was just gonna say it's it was quite like I think you kind of got the idea, um, with him, that maybe he wasn't, like he wasn't Italian, right? He wasn't Sicilian, and I think that was they don't talk about it as much, but if you in in the book. Um, they go in a little more detail. Like usually, like your right hand man is Sicilian, and for him not to be Sicilian was a very big thing. Mm-hmm. So he was just that good, and he was I- German Irish. Yeah, just that. Well, it was him who went to the um... Hollywood. Yeah, Hollywood. Hollywood. <laughs> Hollywood. Where's that from? I have, no, I have no idea. I just hit the way it came out of my mouth. Hollywood. <laughs> Who's your favorite character, Alex? Or did you say sorry? No, I didn't. I really like. I think it's a. It's really Vito and Michael. And I think because as the movie goes on, this was just really my impression. Is you really see this somewhat like similar traits in them. Like he does, like you look at Vito, right? And even the way he talks to uh, Salazzo when he first meets him, and say, he's saying all these nice things, and you can tell that it's it's the good versus the bad. It's like, yeah, it's organized crime, but he's a really nice guy. Oh, you, there's that part in the beginning where they're meeting him. And they're meeting the original. I, I'm sorry, I, I had a really tough time remembering. But when they're having that original meeting about the narcotics and that, yeah. And, um, and Sonny said something out. He's like, "So you're telling me making gear?" And his dad stops him. And afterwards, Vito says, "You know, I never let someone else outside of the family know your thoughts." Yeah. And then later on, when um, when Michael is meeting the guy in Las Vegas, yes, and speaks out, and you know, 
and Michael mirrors that and says the same thing to Sonny. Uh, he's no, like, Tefredo. No, Tefredo. Yeah, to Tefredo, sorry, and says, never side with someone outside the family ever again. Like, you very, you see, like, it was, Sonny may have been the oldest and he was the one running it, but, like, Michael's very, very clearly Vito's son. Like, there are yes, the yes. He is Vito's son. Like, you, like, you really see it in Sonny that, yeah, you know what? He can be, he can be the boss, but he's so hot-headed, right? Like, he, uh, his dad gets shot, and then everything was, he's like, I'm not going to do anything. And then Michael, Michael, sh- or I don't remember who shows up, but he's like, yeah, we took out the Tatalias this morning. I'm like, God damn, Sonny, you're starting a war. And then that's when you really feel bad for Tom Hagen because he goes, you know, if I had a wartime, if I had a Sicilian, if I had a wartime consigliere, we'd all be fine. And then I felt bad. Yeah. And then he's like, and see what I got stuck with. It's like, "Eh." (laughs) Tom's a good guy. You feel bad for him. You feel bad for him. But yeah, like I think you really see throughout the movie, like at the beginning, Michael's kind of this guy who's really outside of the family in a way. Like, his dad wants him there, but the actual family business, he's not there. But then, as the movie keeps going, you really start to see that Michael is kind of the perfect one to replace Vito. Because it just... It just fits him well. Mm-hmm. And I th- yeah, and it feels like... It feels like Vito knew that. Mm-hmm. All along, it felt like he knew that because he always wanted Michael to do something better than be part of the business. I don't know if you got that impression. Like he said, obviously he said he wanted Michael to do better than the business. He, he used like to talk about Senator or governor or whatever that may be. But it's like, he, it felt like he knew that Michael was the right one. Mm-hmm. Daniel. Yeah. I felt that too. Like that scene with the Brando and Pacino outside near the garden. That one was like, you know, perfect where he, like Vito points out where who's going to ask you to come for peace talk is the one who betrayed you. Yeah. And it was uh, Salvatore Tessio. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that scene was great. Like, that was like one time where we actually see Brando outside. Right. Um, and it kind of like does point out like that, I guess, like duality between both characters in a way. And then, like, even though Michael's kind of reluctant to it when he comes back from Sicily, it's just like it's a whole different thing. Um, it's pretty funny. My uh, friend and I, when we were like probably in like high school or something, we were always so sad when Apollonia gets killed. I mean, <laughs> man. You gotta do. You gotta do. You gotta do. I'm gonna be perfectly honest with you, man. Like, this movie didn't need to be three hours long. It no, could have no, been no. longer. Alec, I'll ask, I'll let you, sir, I'll let you ask all your questions, then I'll, I'll criticize. No, I was just going to say, is there anything, like, were there any scenes that stood out, that stood out the most to you? Oh, sorry, sorry, if Adam, is it okay if I go? Yeah, no, um, I so this, it just okay. Like this is not like an iconic scene, but it just made me laugh a lot. Even when I was like younger, where I'm like, man, that that line was delivered so weirdly. Yeah. Where it's like, you know who I am? I'm Mo Green. I was it. Um, I was. I buy um, you. Oh, I was. Uh, oh, oh. I was making. Wait, let me. Okay, let me see. Um, selling money when you were kissing. Oh, I, high school. oh yeah, yeah, I got it. Got it. I was dating like, cheerleaders. You know, you know, 
Yeah, it's like I'm Mo Green. I was making my bones when you were dating cheerleaders. I'm like, what? <laughs> oh yeah, I, that's, that's I never like that. Like even now, I'm just like it's such a serious part, but like the way that line is delivered. <laughs> For sure, Adam. Um, I mean, oh, the scene where Michael ends up killing the police chief and the um. What family is he part of? The police chief Solazzo. and the other... Solazzo. Solazzo. He's separate. He's not part of any family yet. Like, he's just this guy who comes in and says, Hey, I can... We can... Uh, I can get you into the narcotics business. Okay, sorry. So, when he, when uh, Michael kills both of them... Yeah. It's like... Well, fair, I got kind of confused because they were going to the Jersey. They turn around. So, I thought, wait, so are they going to a different place? But then, like, he gets the gun anyway, right? And I'm yeah. thinking, all right. I didn't think he was going to do it because, like, it felt like this was a climax of the movie. And then he does it, and you're like, oh! oh but yeah. like, I, I love how you can, it's a very, like, you can tell Michael's transformation. I think it is a bit kind of disjointed, but we'll talk about that later. But how, at this point, he doesn't drop the gun right away. He, yeah, he gets, um, like, he, they tell him, shoot them both in the, in the, in the head twice but he shoots the cop in the throat and then has to go again to get him in the head and then like you can just tell how shaken up he is and like along with like the the train coming by it it really like that was the point in the movie i'm like all right i get why this is good uh that and like i know you guys were sad that apollonia died but man i just i i i don't know how i felt because it was like apollonia no and it's just this comically 70s explosion like oh yeah I mean, I didn't really care for that whole sequence in Sicily because it was like, finds cute girl, gives the family a bunch of gifts and that. Oh, they're married. What happened? Oh, and now I've been back in New York for a year. But like, definitely the scene where Michael like really spills blood for the first time is one that stood out for me. Yeah. For me, it was... There's two scenes, and, I, and it's the first scene, the very first scene in the movie with uh, the funeral parlor and, and the... Um, and Vito, right? And I think it sets the stage for the movie in mm-hmm. saying, hey, this guy, this guy's the big boss. Like, you don't mess, you don't mess with this guy. Because if you mess this with, mess with this guy, bad things are going to happen. But the last scene of the movie with the door closing and, mm. and, and him really becoming, and Michael really becoming the boss, it, it kind of, for me, it set, set shivers. Like, the first time, I got goosebumps because it was like, man, like, it kind of, for me, it felt like, man, that set the scene for the next movie. Mm-hmm. And I really mm-hmm. now want to go watch the second movie, but it's also three right. hours long, and I don't have, I don't know if I have that time. It's okay, we're not leaving the house. That's <laughs> true, that's true. I'll watch it in parts. See, I actually thought it was a very good, because obviously I know there are a few Godfather movies, but like I looked at it and I thought, man, that's just like a really good way to really just end a movie. And from what I hear about the Godfather is the first two are good and then it's kind of like, you should have left it alone. Yeah. Kind of like Jurassic Park. Yeah. That first one's a, the first one's amazing. The second one's good. And then the rest of them's like, oh, we're pretty bad. Man. Yeah, they, well, the first two are based off the book. Mm-hmm. Right, and then the third one's kind of off script. You, you know what's funny? What? First two Jurassic Park movies, both based off books. <laughs> but movie, the- movies based on books, always better. Jaws, first one, the rest of them, garbage. 
No books. And you didn't have Spielberg. Or Mike or uh or Dreyfus, but Yeah, that it was even if they didn't have a second Godfather, that's like the most draw draw jaw dropping ending of all time. Because it's like what the hell? Like you kinda wanna know what's gonna happen next. Mm-hmm. And you see like you see the relation they for me, the weirdest relationship in the movie, and I don't know if this was the same for you guys, was between Michael and Kate. Yeah, it just didn't fit at all. Because it, it felt like, like it didn't fit. But it it weirdly kept going throughout the movie. It, That's why I kinda like oh no, no, go ahead, Daniel. Oh no, like what I kinda felt was like it is what I always kind of thought, but I think it was just because like I just didn't like Diane Keaton in this movie, to be honest. But uh, that whole part when he goes to Sicily to hide, yeah. it's kind of like when he ends up with like Apollonia and does all that stuff. It's kind of like you know the Sicilian tradition, kind of like this is the trajectory of how his life is supposed to be. And then when he goes back to K, it's just kind of like something where he kind of just kind of works up. And I remember like I don't know because I read the book, but it was a really long time ago, and I can't yeah. remember if he expresses that like. Apollonia was like his true love or something. I don't remember. I haven't like I, I got through part of the book and then I got busy so I stopped reading it but now uh, I'm gonna read it again. Like there's a I think there's a part where he says that like that first marriage in Sicily was like supposed to be the one. Right. Not not Kay, and then like when all things just kinda mess up and she dies and he goes back to New York to be the boss, then like he just it's like he's picking up the pieces again. Yeah, it felt like he loved Kay, but the family business. Mm-hmm. Because you see it throughout, like, she always asks him about the business. And he's like, I'm not going to tell you about my business. It'll be legitimate in five years. Yeah, more <laughs> like 25. <laughs> Literally, the third movie is all about that, man. So, such a ridiculous movie. Leave it alone. <sighs> See, the third one's not awful. Like, it's not a garbage movie. It's just not as good as the first two. Yeah, like, the standard That's was just way too high. Yes, yes. The standard Sorry. was way too high. Sorry, before we, like, move on, I just remembered another scene that was my favorite that I didn't like as a kid, but then when I read a backstory, I think before getting ready for this episode, was I just remember... You know the part where Marlon Brando, like, Vito comes back from the hospital and they have to yeah. bring him up the stairs? Apparently, yes. Marlon Brando, as a joke, yeah. put bricks yes, yes. with him on the stretcher <laughs> and he didn't tell anyone and then they had to carry him. That's they why they're him. actually struggling to yeah. bring him up the stairs while they're filming. Oh. <laughs> and then you wonder why they said Marlon Brando was such a pain to work with. And apparently, it was, like, really difficult. <laughs> but, I wonder why. <laughs> Man, he should get the Gordon Bombay award. <laughs> <laughs> You're carrying me up here when I pick up the brick. Uh. What a what a dick. <laughs> Man, that's great. Okay. Um, do you mind if I say some stuff about that Apollonia stuff? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So I'm of a very strong opinion when talking about this movie that the book doesn't matter. Um which is rich for me because I'm Mr. Star Wars. Well yeah. this happened in the extent. Yeah. But, like, man, that whole Sicily stuff just didn't do anything for me. Bit of technical difficulties there. Um, just picking up where we left off, though. Um, yeah, I just... I, the Sicily scene just didn't do anything for me. I didn't really even feel... 
at all bad for Michael because like you don't even get to see him react. And the worst part is after Apollonia's death, like the next scene is uh, is Vito calling on all the Dons in the meeting, like my son is in Sicily and I have to arrange to bring him back. And then it's a year later, and you know Michael's going out after um. Sorry, what was the other girl's name? His like Kate. original Kate. After Kate, right? And it just kind of feels like, all right, Apollonia, I guess you were just like a one-stop thing. Like the whole Sicily thing just felt like a mess to me. Yeah, it for me, it's ahead, weird sorry. because the movie is, the book is so detailed. Like if you, and I know you say the book doesn't matter, but I think in this case, you should de- you should definitely read the book. Because the book is so much more detailed that the movie for sure could have been four hours long if they wanted it to be. If they include every, like they talk about one thing they take out of the book is, you know, I don't know if you noticed the very one of the first scenes where you see Michael and Tom after Tom leaves, he says to Kay, he's going to be the next consigliere. So at that point, he's not even the consigliere because the guy Vito has now is all but dead. Like he's very sick. Oh, right. So they don't explain that. And there's certain other things like they talk about a little more about Sonny. They talk about his character in the book. Like they kind of explain all the characters in the book. And I guess it was a little hard to do that in the movie because it was already three hours long. Mm-hmm. And by the way, like you can cut some stuff because this didn't need to be three hours. Ah, uh, but see, you're know. missing I, all. I like you're missing it. all. Yeah. You, see, you're asking all these questions you don't know the answers to, and then if you take stuff out, you'd have even more questions. That's the issue with this movie: is there's so much content. There's so much content that there can be even more content. Like they could have made like four movies if they really wanted to, made them two hours long on just the two, the actual book alone. So, like, like I, I'm thinking about it like this though. Like, such a big thing in this movie was about revenge and stuff. Yeah. You know, Sonny's going after uh, Carla for what he's doing to uh, to his sister and all that. Right. Uh, how, like, the effect it takes on Vito. And then when I see this guy, and also you see, um, what was his name? Clementa killed the guy who apparently helped out the assassination plot, even though that was a bit confusing. Oh, Polly? Polly, yeah. Which, like, I was kind of lost because for a second I thought, is Clementa the the trainer what's going on but like i looked it up like i don't know but um so what, what was i saying see it, you see all this like what revenge means and then all of a sudden it just it stood out very much for me that this guy is just trying to kill michael and we never see him again and it's like whatever yeah, yeah. That was a big a big problem for me yeah and i i wish see the thing is i wish they went more into Sis, they talked more about Sicily, but I'm like, what part would I take out? I'm like, I literally can't think of any other part. And I think the part about Sicily has more meaning in the second movie than it does in the first movie because they explore Vito in the first. They explore more about Vito in the first movie and his move from Corleone, Sicily to New York. Mm-hmm. Right. And and you kind of hear he's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to Corleone. And you're like, but that's his last name. And then you find out they just messed up his, like, in the second movie, they messed up his, uh, certain, like, his, what, I don't remember what it was that he got when oh, he, his immigration, his immigration uh, yeah. card status. And they wrote Vito Corleone because they just didn't care. So I think the mean that they put Sicily in there to say, hey, they have the same last name. 
<laughs> it's, it was like, I don't know. But I'd love to know more. I wanted to know more about Sicily when I watched the movie. So I get what you're saying. Okay. But I, I don't see how the movie would be could get shorter. That's fair enough. I just, maybe I have a thing, because even when I watch Avengers Endgame, I don't watch all of it. I'm kind of like, whatever, I don't need to see Ant-Man eating tacos. Can I just what? get some travel, please? That's my favorite part. That's true. I'll be Captain America complimenting his own ass, but, oh, I shouldn't have said, oh, I swore, I'm sorry. It's not a bad word. I hear okay. him, they say it on radio all the time, okay? Not a big deal. Brian Burke. Well, let me tell you about those two. No, I was about to do John Tortorella, actually. They're two dang stars. Um, okay, can I ask you guys, sorry, just because this is Adam being a bit critical. That's okay. okay. Critical Did I Adam. miss, sorry? Critical Adam. Critical Adam. Adam, critical fluge. So... The beginning part, did I miss a part where they specifically told Clemenza to kill the guy who was part of the plan? Because the way I saw it, maybe I missed it. He's going to get his cannoli and all of a sudden he, yeah, he kills you missed Buddy. It. You missed it. I missed it. That was just, just, yeah. just this So, okay, okay you, uh, there, it's it's Sonny, Michael, uh, Clemenza, and Tessio. They're all sitting in the in Vito's office. Mm-hmm. And Paulie comes in and says, hey, there's a package. Right, Polly's the guy coughing. Yeah, yeah, and that, and then that was that was the fish, right? Yeah. Then Polly leaves, and he Sonny turns to Clemenza and says, "Take care of that guy." He probably said a little more aggressively with a added uh, word, and he's talking about Polly. And okay, so that that was Polly. All right, all right, yeah. all right. It makes sense. Because okay. Polly was sick four times the last three months. Mm-hmm. All he right, was makes sick. Sense. Makes sense. Oh, I just realized my camera's not on, and I can't. Uh, okay. That's all right. We're going to get to look at a pylon here, eh? Look great. It says there's no camera. That's okay. Just keep Dion? it. Dion? I'll fix it. I'll fix it as you guys are talking. All right. Hey, um, Daniel, mm-hmm. let me ask you something. Did you laugh as much as I did when the horses had was in the thing because like i knew it was coming because i've yeah. seen part of it and then when you just see the guy in the bed i'm like man don't tell me this is gonna be and then it happened i get like two things with it where uh yeah like if growing up like before you see it like it's such a cliche thing in all media that you're gonna know the horse's head is gonna be there just like the build-up to it too yeah sorry more technical difficulties um I see the Kylo Ren shuttle behind Alex, and I think the dark side of the forest doesn't want us to talk. Don't want us to talk about this movie. Um, and let me clarify this: without knowing it was a real horse's head, because I didn't know that first watching it. Did you get a bit of a laugh out of the like the goofiness of they just put a horse's head in a dude's thing just because he wouldn't cast their Frank Sinatra ripoff? Yeah. In yeah. the movie. And like, how do you not wake up to that like commotion? Yeah. The so, smell alone, though. Yeah. No, even just a, the blood. No. The there's there's literally blood everywhere. Did they knock him out and put the horse's head there, and he just woke up? Was he absolutely just drunk and didn't hear any of this? Oh, so can I ask you guys a question? Because I noticed this the most at the Hollywood scene. Okay, is it me? Or does this film love the kind of blurred transition? Yeah. 
Didn't like, love that. That was really bothering me. Like, here is them outside, and now it's sunset, and between the transition, they're saying, they're having the same conversations. Like, wait, wait, what's going The editing was a bit strange at that time. Got, like, the more the movie went on, it got better, but at the beginning, it felt like a bit of a mess. It's like, oh, swooshy trans. It's like Star Wars is the only movie that uses notable kind of goofy transitions of the, like, spinneroo. But, like, The Godfather just loves that fade-away effect. There's a joke with that one where uh, when Vito asks, about, like, when he's sick, he's like, where's Michael? And then he fades into uh, Sicily, and his mustache becomes the tree when they're in Sicily. Man. I did not notice that. Yeah. That's, like, something I, like, I, I found out recently. I did not notice that. <clears throat> one thing I, I read online is that the camera... It's the from the point of view. It's relatively similar for the entire for the entire movie. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's about I think they say it was like four feet. The entire movie. I think the, they needed Gary Gold on the scene. What? I think they needed Gary Gold on the scene. Hey man, every, everyone loved it. I the only time it was different was when Vito got shot and it was from above and the just. Justific- yeah. The justification for that was uh, – I don't remember who told Coppola this, but they said it's from the point of view of God. <sighs> By the way, can we talk about how bad those assassins are that they had him point blank and they couldn't get the job Did he done? kill him? Yeah. He just dropped the oranges. Especially in the 40s. I thought that would be you – know, you're kind of done there. No. Especially it's the 40s. So wouldn't you know your best doctors be overseas, you know? Dealing with the war? Hey, they have the the mafia has their own doctors, okay? Apparently, I'm. I know. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. That scene was like I remember reading. That's an establishing scene of like Fredo's incompetence because he couldn't even get the gun out. Yes, yes. And I think it scars him for the rest of the series. I really, and I think it really changes. Like you even see it. Yeah, he was a little fidgety. Even at the beginning of the movie, but literally after that, the scene when he's at the scene where he's when they're at home and he's in the room with uh, his brothers and Tom, and then when he's in Vegas, he gets fidgety too, and then he just becomes reckless, mm-hmm. and then he he, um, like he does that thing, and then he then something happens to him. Michael, it was, Sonny was a hothead, but it was meant for him and Fredo. I was waiting for him to make a joke, and he just didn't even say anything about Fredo. <laughs> I know, he's like, Fredo's... Uh, yeah. He knows, I was he knows. To say, he's like, and you know Fredo, he's kind of an idiot. Kind of <laughs> well, I was shot six times, point blank, <laughs> at Iraq because he survived. This the day on my toddler's wedding. <laughs> that's a family guy, the day of my daughter's wedding, I remember that. Yeah, it's nice to get where that's from now. Adam, do you have any other concerns or questions? Uh, I know you had questions. You okay, so why exactly do they leave Law? Because at first it seems like they're running away from New York, then you get the plan. But then at the end, they're still moving away from New York, even though they've just taken out the rest of the crime bosses. And wouldn't you want to establish control instead of going to Vegas? Or is this a second movie book thing I'm missing? No, it's more the second movie. The second movie is more about establishing in Las Vegas. 
I'm no mafioso. So say that but again. Wouldn't you want? I'm I'm no mafioso. Oh, okay. You know, I'm not a capo or anything like that. I'm not the sporting lieutenant. By the way, uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Part Five is all about a mafia thing, so that's why I'm shoehorning in as many terms as I can. Um, but I, I, that's just me. I just I would think that you would want to establish the city that you've just now caused a bunch of like criminal unrest because you've just taken out all the other dons. Yeah. Unless there's a if I'm missing, but well, they want so they want to become legitimate. So they're trying to get out of the game anyways. And I guess they were worried that Barzini and Tatalia and the other, other bosses were going to interfere with that. Mm-hmm. So they took them all out and they took Mo Green out so they can buy him out uh, the casino. <laughs> Cause I'm guessing, I'm guessing at that point gambling was, Becoming legal? I, I don't know. No, maybe not. I don't know. That was like, yeah, that was like at a time where, like, after Prohibition, where um, the casino industry started becoming a lot, like, because it was established by the mafia, basically, in Vegas. So, Daniel, you lived through Prohibition. What was it like? Have- <laughs> <laughs> That's so mean, Adam. That's I so know. mean. Not called for. Not, are you only, are you only like twenty four too? Not I'm like for. I was there when uh, Patrick Wall was drafted. Yeah. Uh, I just finished at U of T. Ooh! All right. Well, <laughs> okay, moving on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, sorry, go go ahead, Daniel. Were you gonna say something? What are we gonna say? Oh yeah, with the casino industry, and I think like they moved to Vegas because by that point, the majority of like when they want to be legitimate, like Alex said. Everything was kind of in Vegas at that point. All of like their business ventures. Yeah. All right. Um, let me just double check the little notes. That's your answer. So, um, who was the 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 guy who came? What was his name again? Um, one of the capo. I'm assuming he was a capo. Capo um, Yeah, the one who at the end was the one that was clearly the traitor, and he's Tessio. like, Yeah. Tessio. So it didn't really. I didn't really care it was Tessio because he didn't really get that much of a spotlight compared to the others. That was That's a little complaint I have. It's like, maybe there would have been, like, if it was Tom, obviously that's not, and I'm sure if that's I read the huge. book, there'd be a lot more. But if it was Tom, I'd be like, no, Tommy, I love you. Or if it was, um, if it was Clemenza. Well, like, yeah, oh, if it was Clemenza, it'd yeah. be huge. Yeah. I think Mr. with, like, Tessio, because, like, Clemenza and Tessio are, like, two of the guys with, like, Vito. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's a, yeah, it's kind of true. Like, he didn't really show it too much in the movie, but he is, like, a long-time figure within the family. And then the fact that the part where he's like, please tell Michael is strictly business, I always liked him. Yeah, because it was it was, it was Tetsio? Tetsio. Yeah, because it was him and Clemente wanting to go start their own family. Yeah. And it was, like, in Downton Abbey, there's a... I know, Downton Abbey. <laughs> um, there's a point where the reins start going from Michael... from um. Was it Michael Crowley? I can't even remember. No, Robert Crowley to um, his heir, Matthew, right? But then the groundskeeper is kind of like more, was more of like the guy to Robert's father, and he would never listen to Robert. And it's kind of like maybe Tessio had this thing of like, listen, Vito, Vito said, listen, I'm not the head of the family, so if you want to leave, you know, give it to, to Michael. And Michael even said like, hey, after we go to Vegas, go do your thing. And Tetsuya just couldn't have been patient. He's like, no, I'm going to try and turn it on. 
But then Michael was having none of it. It's like, no, buddy, I've got you covered. Don't worry. Well, that's how uh, the mafia works. You screw him over once. There's no, there's no three strikes are out. There's one strike, I kill you. Matt, how did Carlo not know when Clemenza was in the car? Hey, Carlo. Oh, he knew. And you were going to kill him. Like, well, you even saw it with Polly. Polly knew. Polly knew. As soon yeah. as two, one guy got in the back, he's like, I'm done. He's like, hey, sit on the other side. <laughs> oh, yeah. Was... Cover the back mirror there. Jesus Christ. I think I'm going to talk about like, the Tessio part, too. I think it's – because remember when like they're alluding to it where – when Michael kind of takes over, it's really kind of uneven. And like they said, like the Corleone family, it's like a declining power in New York. Mm-hmm. That was the kind of thing where it just, I think Tessio just, yeah, same. like you said, he got impatient. And, you know, it's a kind of thing where you kind of scramble for each piece before everything kind of all falls apart. Yeah. Every empire, literally. Yeah. <laughs> except, the, except the Galactic Empire. The Galactic Empire. Yeah, they've got a lot of... Emperor dies, whatever. First Order's a thing. First Order gets destroyed like three times, it's fine. Yeah. Palpatine's back. Woo! And has like a convoy of Death Star Star Destroyers. Oh, you mean... Yeah, if you want to say... <laughs> you mean... Yeah, if you uh, want to say plot holes, yeah, that's... You know. <laughs> Sorry, we couldn't... The first two movies didn't bring back old Star Wars fans. Okay, let's bring back a dead character. That's what happened. <laughs> For no reason, except if you like, apparently read the uh, what is it? The official novelization of it. That's so. I hate. I hate when people tell me with movies that like. Well, if you watch, apparently in the official Revenge of the Sith novelization, you hear what R two thinks, and it's like, wait, what? Like, I get even as a Star Wars fan, I get annoyed when someone's like, well, in the novelization. I'm like. Man, like, listen, if it's a hardcore movie, like, I'll defend Jurassic Park in the book, Alex the Godfather, Daniel, I'm sure that there was a Lego instruction book that you're like, <laughs> why am I the Lego guy now? You said, well, okay, what's your favorite movie? Yeah. Me? Yeah. yeah. I actually have a list of, like, ten. God, uh, Godfather oh, and Back to the Future are in the top three, though. That's true. What's the, okay, what's the other one that's not that hasn't been listed? He, he has it written down. <laughs> Let me have it written down. He has it. He has it written down. Okay, Adam. Before what were you gonna say? Um, what was it? You know, I just hate when people's like at, at some point if you're looking at a movie by itself, like yeah. you know, I, like Revenge of the Sith. I think we tried our best to you know look at like the extended stuff and like the universe and also what it was as a movie. Yeah. And I hate when you're just talking a movie and someone's like, well. It's explained how Palpatine's alive when it comes to the novelization. How hard is it to just put the scene of like, something of him coming back? You're Star Wars. You have time. Yeah. Apparently, gonna... like, according to IGN, they had that part in the beginning showing how he came back. But then, they like, put... apparently the writers felt that, oh, uh, that wasn't needed. And then everyone said, well, yeah, it kind of was. How did he come back? They put the speech he had on Fortnite. They oh put God. their market. This is the Godfather. I'm not gonna go off about. See, that's why the Godfather. The length is perfect for it. You know, tell us what we need to know. It could be longer. That it, movie could be five hours. I'd sit and watch. I'd still watch it. Yeah. I. It felt a lot longer than three hours to me. I had to stop and be really? like, I need. It did not. It, that's, that's, it did feel three hours. Maybe yeah, I'm just being biased, but. Like my a break in between though. Listen, my life just skips Sicily. The, 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 the second one had an intermission in it. 
had an intermission. Imagine going to see a movie and it says intermission. That Ben Hur is in a movie like that. It's like seven hours and has an intermission on it. Yeah, Lawrence of Arabia as well. Yeah, well, but no, but my like sort of last thing on this movie yeah. is in a perfect world, I wouldn't make this a movie. I. It may be like this is in hindsight very much, but like today, if you really wanted to, you could make this like a really wicked multi-part series on Netflix. I don't think they. they I, I think I, I I'd watch that, but I think you look at how beloved. Like yes, The Irishman had its problems. Yeah, but I, I think uh, I think a lot of it was with the edit, like the actual CGI. And I don't know why you would try CGI on Robert De Niro. That was. Uh, quite stupid, but I think it was a real like everyone loved the movie and it was three hours long. I did not see a lot of people saying they. I saw. A I big saw. I think okay, I, I think, saw a lot of people saying they loved the movie. I think there's two things you could look at at this. Okay, so Probably the way the I kind of see these. It was definitely the people. The way in I see these. Well, okay, no, hold on a minute. I'm saying I saw if this it, yeah. better. Oh. You can't tell me a movie about mafiosos and revenge. Yeah. It is like good enough as a movie when somebody trying to kill the guy who's about to be the boss tries to kill him, kills his wife, goes away, and there's no consequence. Well, this, the, I'm saying as a fact, The Godfather would be better as a multi part series than as a movie. It a doesn't fact. need to be three hours, it feels an longer than three hours. That's not it's a fact. That's an opinion. Montreal. Don't do that with me. Even if, if you're trying to poke fun, don't do that. That's okay, it. But think, that, that's, um, a, that's know, not a uh, fact. I don't agree with that. <laughs> As a, the neutral uh, voice here, uh, what I try to talk about is I think it's there's two differences between like when we talk about you know an epic like The Irishman now and an epic like The Godfather where you know that was a career defining thing for Coppola that was also when he was doing the conversation right and it's before he did Apocalypse Now and you know this is like what built his career I kind of see like Scorsese is like The Irishman it's different because it was like self indulgent in and of itself where you see. Scorsese kind of just going, you know, I already have this track record. Let me just put in everything I absolutely love into one huge three-hour thing. So I think, but that's also a very Scorsese type movie. It is like even if you go watch Goodfellas, right? Goodfellas with Scorsese. That one's just a long-ass movie. Yeah, it just I think with like the Irishman, like the way the timeline, he way he kind of did it too. It just it was like a different feel to it, but. uh, yeah, so I just want to say something so, you know, we don't get into a huge argument. I, I'm not getting into a huge argument. I'm done. I just said it wasn't a fact. I said it was an opinion. Are we driving manual? We're driving manual. Okay. Stick shift. The garbage truck's outside, so I can't really talk. Oh, oh. Like, stick shift like the DeLorean? Oh, oh, oh. Oh, yeah. And if you say about <laughs> arguing, like, when you try and say something like, well, in Montreal they didn't, like, come on. Well, I think I saw Andrew Berkshire say he didn't like it, so that's Montreal to me. He hates the Habs! What? He's no, a Nordiques guy? No, he doesn't. He writes about the Habs. That, yeah, I'm not really like them. John Liu, maybe he likes the movie. We gotta ask him. You have to ask him to come on the show. Matt, you know, by the way, um, uh, you know, I want to get something up about that quickly. Sorry, there's just there, there were two members of Montreal staff that were let go. Um, I, I, I feel terrible. I can't remember their names, but it was really, really important. Actually, uh, they were the two media coordinators, and they were very much well. Like John Liu said, he suspected one of them 
were behind the Habsending flowers, so I think it was the passing of one of John Lou's family members. So let me, let me just sorry keep keep going about why this movie should be longer when it clearly shouldn't be. Well, I think that's just your opinion, though. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair, right, Daniel? It's opinion. Yes. We're gonna talk quiet for the rest of the episode. Oh no! I can't find this thing, John Lou. Uh, anyways. Lou. So, yes, Godfather is in the top five of my favorite movies, but I can't pick a number one. Of course, of course. I yeah. understand. Um, I, I, I actually understand. have a list of – it's pretty funny. I made a working top ten list of movies. Godfather's up there. But so the we're going to watch all of them, right? This list ended up being 15 movies out of a top ten – for a top ten. Daniel, I think we're going to have to – you know, like people have swear jars. I think Daniel needs an, an honorable mention jar. <laughs> but and if you hit 50 over mentions you have to buy me a lego set a lego set all right i get to choose it yeah you sure why not or alex gets to choose it and then when i have to buy one for alex you get to choose it all right um by the way so this is from john lou a few days ago uh the Habs just dismissed their two main media relations staff dominique salon and francois marchand uh two professionals respectful men who worked in difficult jobs they will be missed that's sweet one of two and two of two from John Liu. I never knew for sure, but I suspect Dominique Salon helped arrange flowers to be delivered on behalf of the Habs to the church at my parents' funerals in 08 and 09. He is a good man. I will never forget those kind of compassionate gestures. Um, yeah, I bet, you know, that's just a thing I wanted to say. Because, of course, with COVID and everything, it's still being mm-hmm. affected. And being really media relations in Montreal, I think maybe the most difficult job in the NHL. Yeah, you get uh, you get harassed in English and in French. Wrong. No. Okay. No. Um, okay, Adam, why don't you tell everyone what we're doing in June? All right, guys. So June, uh, we need to. And while I'm just doing this, Alex, can you please look up the day we uploaded our very first episode, please? Um, One second. Of course. Um, of course, we have. Every Wednesday is an adventure. Every Sunday is a hockey episode in some way, shape, or form. Unless something massive happens and we turn around. Today is the third, of course. Alex shows the Godfather. This Sunday, we are finally... Guess what? We're doing another redraft. We're going to be talking about the 05 draft, a.k.a. um, Bobby Ryan, Carey Price, and... (laughs) uh, Yeah. Um, then on the 10th, it's Bizarre Adventure, Daniel's turn, we're going the Lego movie. The 14th is another episode of Retro Hockey to be determined, probably a redraft. On the 17th is My Bizarre Adventure, we'll be watching Tim Burton's Nightmare Before Christmas. It's a romance, it's a Christmas and a Halloween movie, and has some of the best songs in Disney. The 21st is another episode of Retro Hockey to be determined. Bizarre Adventure's on the 24th for Alex, uh, yet to be determined, and on the 28th, again... To be determined, retro review. Um, we were ideas are starting to go a little scarce. Uh, COVID's COVID's taken shape, but we'll figure something out. We'll keep you updated. Uh, Let's go. Our first episode was July seventh. July July seventh. Yeah. Damn. Wow. Okay, so next month. Uh, next month, July seventh. Let's see what day July seventh falls under. It's a Tuesday. That's annoying. So we'll do it on the Wednesday. That's our celebration. Why don't we do it on the Tuesday, though? Why don't we just do it on the actual day? That is true. We can do that. Um, Um, Are we going to try to do – are we going to watch the draft lottery? 
Um, I and think record we record an episode. It yeah, special. Like stream it or something. Well, not stream it because no one checks out the YouTube channel. Do that, I'm people. Put it on. I'm just gonna put it on my TV. But why? Why don't? Yeah, we just like, like record ourselves on Skype watching it and just see what happens. Yeah, and then and we'll do a redraft. We'll do a redraft. No, no, we're not. Yeah, with the first overall yes. pick, the New Jersey I'm, Devils will select. Vasila, is it Vasilev or Vasilov? Yaroslav Askarov. Big Halak fan. Come on. My brother of Russia. Wow, <laughs> that's a hard, that's a big statement. An, an overrated defenseman with some good defensemen in front of him? Go, goalie with defensemen in front of him? Yeah. No. Yeah. Dominic has the most wins. Words like Patrick Eliage. <laughs> Just saying. Martin Brodeur that? overrated? What? What? Question mark? Anyway, if you enjoyed this episode of the podcast, let's say you're listening to it on YouTube. If you're listening to this on any other site, um, be sure to you know, maybe try and check out the YouTube version because you get to see video. Um, we kind of dressed up a little more fancy for the Godfather thing and all that. So maybe we can continue to – like Daniel Daniel has a solid blazer and a, and a Raptor shirt. Alex has a nice dress shirt. And the blazer on. So go check out the YouTube channel. We gotta get it going, guys. Um, and again, if and if you're staying on the iTunes, the, the Spotify, follow the show on iTunes. Leave a review, a rating, wherever you can do that kind of stuff. Let us know what are your thoughts on the Godfather. Should it be three hours? Should it be five hours? Is Ten it good? Hours. Is it bad? No. Is Martin Brodeur a good goalie? Is he not? Is Patrick Eliage better than John Tavares? I want your. That's a, a debate we could have. Who deserves to be in the Hall of Fame more, Patrick Eliage or John Tavares? And like, Patrick Eliage is a Hall of Famer, by the way. Um, and we will see you on our next episode on Sunday when we look at the 2005 NHL entry draft.